Hi, Susan. Hi, Serge. So you're a longtime meditator and Zen practitioner. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to be talking about mindfulness within a broader context. Mm -hmm. So let me just first start. The, the broader context we're talking about is, is Buddhism, but I want to have caveats here. I'm a Westerner. Mm -hmm. I practice in the Zen tradition, which is uh, the tradition of how Buddhism, when it landed in Japan, where it went, but Zen Buddhism as it is practiced by, uh, well, I'm connected with something called the San Francisco Zen Center, which is their particular flavor of Japanese Zen as it is taught in America. Yeah, them. yeah. And so you're not making pronouncements in general, but okay. you're very careful to point out the specifics and the roots of your experience. Right, right. And well, what I'm wanting to emphasize is that mindfulness is an incredible skill the ability to be present to this moment and to work on that as something one can develop this skill to be present, to realize when you're going off on some tangent in your head and you're not right here now. Mm -hmm. That is a part of the Buddhist practice in this society now, in Western society in America, in many situations, that skill, which is a great skill, has been lifted out of the context mm. and used by a lot of people. Great. But some people think that's what it is. That's all that this whole thing is about. It, well, it's just mindfulness. Well, it's not just mindfulness. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. Is that making so, sense? Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing you say is that just as we were talking about roots, there is a context. And the whole context is a Buddhist approach to the world that includes meditation, mindfulness meditation, as one of its aspects. Right. Or that is the way one practices this whole, within this context. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that felt important to me to share with you. Um, yeah. And so that the goal of the Buddhist approach is not just the practice of mindfulness meditation. No. no. But mindfulness meditation is one aspect of it. When we transplant mindfulness meditation out of this context, we lose track. Yes, we can. Right. I mean, one could be very mindful and rob a bank. I mean, and, but even if we don't even think in that way, your intention is positive. There's still something to be learned from the this larger context. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, right. And that is I, that is how why I reacted to the word solitary in that uh, discussion we had about meditation because mm -hmm, I thought. Mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes people think of mindfulness as a solitary pursuit <laughs> and one can, I mean, but that's not 
what is meant in the Buddhist tradition. So, Right. And so the context of the discussion you mentioned was to talk about mindfulness as a solitary practice because you're alone as you right. try to be mindful. But right. the context is not that. It's not the individual alone. It's actually that whole being in the context of a Buddhist approach mm -hmm. to being a human in the world. Mm -hmm. So there's something called the Four Noble Truths. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to talk about that. But before I do that, I'm going to say uh, something that's va va four vows that relate to these Four no Noble Truths. I'm just going to say them because they're beautiful words. Okay. Um, and so that will give you the flavor of where I'm coming from. When I'm in my... Uh, my Buddhist Sangha or group, we say them, we say these words. Okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, so what I'm hearing is that the truth, the Four Noble Truths are statements about the world as it is, or as you know, you, you see right. it, but the vows are intentions of engagement. So there is kind of an, an intentionality that is expressed. It's not something that is objective, but is a commitment. Right, and they're connected to the vows. So I'm going to, uh, to the truth. So I'm going to say it. Mm -hmm. so the first is, beings are numberless. Mm -hmm. Beings I, are numberless. I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Mm -hmm. Dharma gates the teachings. Dharma gates are boundless. Mm -hmm. I vow to enter them. The Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to embody it. Mm. So this is very far reaching. <laughs> These statements are very they have a lot of evocative things going on here. Yeah, I mean, the, the very evocative. And I think that just these four vows already put mindfulness in that in a context of being very engaged with the world. Everything. We're talking about not just entering the gates of Dharma personally, but we're talking about freeing the other beings. So we're talking about a sense of engagement with the world. Exactly. That's right. Engagement with the world and interconnectedness with the world, directly in interconnected. Yeah. <clears throat> and so if you are in this sangha, this group, or whenever you sit down to meditate, you are in this context. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So if you sit down to meditate, whether or not you actually say the vows before meditating on your own, there is a reminder as you sit that this is a context of finding yourself within that context of engagement. Right. Um, so, uh, well, you know, I'm going to show you something. I won't say a lot about this, but this is something I wear when I sit. Uh, that it's a, it's a whole thing in it itself that has to do with 
wearing the Buddha's robes. But what I want to show you is what it says inside. Can you see this? Yeah, if you make it a little higher. Uh, okay. So when one wave moves, right. thousands of waves follow. Exactly. I wear this and this is the idea. When one wave moves, thousands of waves follow. I'm interconnected with it all. And any mo moment I, I can't not be connected, <laughs> but it's got a lot that one can think about in that sentence. And this particular sentence was given to me be, uh, when I received this particular teaching because my teacher knows I love water. <laughs> so she gave me this. So everyone has a different thing in there. Everyone who has this has a completely different thing written in it that's connecting mm -hmm. just to them. So it's not like I'm a numberless, nameless being. I am a recognized as a unique expression of all this, but I'm connected, interconnected. I'm just kind of wanted to invite you to say again the phrase, when one wave moves, thousands of waves move, just follow. to follow. When one wave moves, thousands of waves follow. Yeah, yeah. And you have no idea where it's all going, but it's mm -hmm. vast, it's quite a vast context actually yeah it's quite vast really that you are a wave you're part of this ocean you're affecting everything in some way <laughs> who knows but it's kind of large this context mm -hmm. so that that's what i'm trying to convey here yeah yeah so the opposite of being solitary all alone isolated is being part of the ocean, not part of the ocean as a passive drop, but right. as a, a wave that actually has an impact on exactly. all the other waves. Exactly. Good, you're good, great listening. Love it. So great. See, we're, mm -hmm. we're waving right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you for your listening. Um, and so, Okay, we go, we'll go back to the Four Noble Truths and how they connect yeah. to those vows, if you would. Okay, so I'm reading from, you know, the lion's roar. There was a little piece here um, in the, this latest issue. It says that the first noble truth is that we're all suffering. Everyone suffers. Life is suffering. That's the first noble truth. Life is mm -hmm. suffering. Mm-hmm. That's why beings need to be freed. Beings are numberless and we want to free them. Yeah. <clears throat> the second is what are the causes of this suffering? And the basic cause of our suffering in this context is that we are all trying to, we are thirsting for permanence. We want everything mm -hmm. to be, the way it is yeah. we just we don't want we want to we want to hold on to the good stuff we don't want we don't want to get old yeah and your body language it just says it all because you have your hands like ready to grasp yeah, to grab. Grip, hold on to right. it's like ah, i need to right that's the second tr noble truth mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> the third noble truth is that there's a way through. Mm -hmm. And the fourth is what's called the the way through is the Buddha's eight. There's a way through Dharma gates are boundless. There are opportunities everywhere to, mm -hmm. to open to a different way of, of perceiving it and holding this reality rather than clutching. There's a lot of ways out of there. Right. And the fourth truth is what we call the way out is what's called the, the eightfold path, the Buddha's path. Okay. And I can read you the way you can find these Dharma gates is right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right view, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration, all these ways of, of, of um, engaging your life mm -hmm. uh, that have to do with not grabbing, but being open to what is in this moment right now, all mm -hmm. these different ways of doing that. Um, are what's considered the way through. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In my sangha, we have something, even on Zoom now we do it, it's called work practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like 15 minutes of the hour and a half. We do work practice. It's cleaning, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mindful cleaning, your toilet or your bathroom, just really being open to how it is right now to take this sponge and feel feel it and yeah, yeah. so that's it, just an example and zen is very big on on work practice very clearly the notion that mindfulness meditation is certainly not the only way there's a context where there are lots of practices lots of, you bring mindfulness to it yeah. mindfulness to cleaning and yeah. you're always with everyone else hmm. so, so as, as you're saying that i'm pausing for a moment i really get it and feel very satisfied but there's also a little bit of curiosity to say is there a way to articulate a little bit more a little more that wants to come up from this yeah um Well, I, well, there are a couple things I want to say. We used to go to our Sangha met actually at our teacher's home. There was a meditation space in her basement. And when we had work practice, it was called temple cleaning. We would clean the Zendo, the space. Mm -hmm. Now we're on Zoom. Sometimes I'm the one that introduces the work practice. And it occurred to me that everyone's space that we're in 15 people, all of our bathrooms or kitchens are now part of this temple. <laughs> we're mm -hmm. all, we're still cleaning the temple, but all of our spaces are now part of this. We're all together in this. And I had never thought of my own space as part of being connected to the whole, literally mm. through the- you know, on That's beautiful. So what I'm hearing, is that the traditional practice, the pre-COVID thing, 
is that the zendo is the place where the sacred is. But now, as you each do it in your home, that sense of the temple, the sacred space, is really everywhere. It's not a special localization. No, which it is anyway, but this was like yeah. a, a way to... Yeah, to really come home, very powerful way, yeah. So in our needing to be attached to, like, adults change, we're usually coming from a place like, I'm here and I have to hold on and you're over there. We experience ourselves as separate from, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as opposed to part of a greater reality of. Mm-hmm. And when there's a moment when you can feel, when you can experience, that is what meditation can be very so helpful with, to find this moment where you are experiencing yourself as more of a wave in a larger ocean, you're less likely to have that need to hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that desperate grasping is I'm all alone. uh, And that focus is on essentially poor me. In contrast, there's that sense of being part of this larger whole. Right. At moments, sometimes. At some (laughs) moments, yes, yes. So we're talking about a fleeting experience there too. It's not a permanent. No, no, it's never permanent, but it it does kind of start to be part of who you are. I've gone to retreats where you were in a a line with people. I mean, you. I was sitting. I had people sitting on either side of me, Mm -hmm. and I think I had an embodied sense of them, of the people really near me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know that people have had an embodied sense of me. You can feel that someone's having a hard time. Mm, yeah, yeah. So let's stay there. We're talking about an embodied sense of them. That's not an abstraction. You're saying you can feel that somebody's having a hard time. Yeah. You can have, you're sitting, but people move slightly and you can just feel when someone's like struggling to keep it going. You just have a sense of it. Yeah. Embodied sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just kind of simply sensing that somebody is twitching or something like that. Yeah, you're you're getting their vibe. You're, You're incorporating that into your sit. And sometimes luckily for that moment, you're feeling a kind of a resilience you're sending that out that's very helpful like you're just you're being present my being present if i can be just i'm here just like you sitting with me here like you're going to convey something mirror yeah yeah yeah. so this is the direct experience of we have an impact on each other right and so you can have it in a conversation by noticing you have an impact on the other person with what you do and you notice it in meditation of feeling like the way you are is going to impact others. And also nature too, if you happen to be doing something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. outside or connected. Yeah, so that's a direct experience of interconnectedness. Yes. Yes. When you can, when you're not caught in your own thing, which we always all are anyway, too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and then lots of practices of compassion and all of that kind of being with yourself. That's so much more I could say, you know, and because that's where focusing can be so helpful there too. Yeah, yeah. Since you are both a Zen practitioner and a focusing practitioner, maybe let's talk a little bit about there that. Let's go into what happens when you are doing a meditation. You're sitting and your instruction is to either be present with whatever is, or maybe your instruction is to come back to your breath. And when thoughts or feelings come up, acknowledge them and let them go and come back to your breath. Mm-hmm. But there are times when you can't come back to your breath. There's just too much something that I'm struggling with. Focusing is a mindfulness practice that keeps you going into something like this and then following it as opposed to to saying, here it is, let me let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the common point is there mindful practices. In mindfulness, you let go of distractions. In focusing, you go into Yes, it is in a mindful way. You don't get mm-hmm. swallowed into it. So it is a mindfulness practice for sure. Yeah. And I have found that I've needed to do that sometimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While, while I'm sitting. So there's a, I'm going to do some saying hello to or focusing or compassion to whatever this is that's here and just open it, find it, take myself to a place with it. Then I incorporate that into a sitting time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when I'm there, when I've gotten to some place where I can, then I let it go or move it over and become more present in, in that way. But um, I think that's how I've personally integrated it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes thoughts, feelings, you let go of it fairly quickly. But sometimes you feel that it's impossible, it's very hard to do. And so you give it the kind of attention that focusing does, you know, by following it, then having gone to that point, you can let go of it. Yes, then I can, right, right. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. So the things that strike me, what you've been saying There is a sense of interaction, a sense of you interacting with what happens moment by moment. It's not just, I want to let go of whatever could be a distraction, but finding the right response at a given moment Mm -hmm. between letting go or following for a while. Mm -hmm. Interaction in the sense of all the practices take place within a context of interaction. That's what that statement about the waves is so powerful. All of this is within the context of an intention to find a way to live with the interactions of the world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Live with the interactions of the world and to see how you can be a positive force with in the world for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so not just interactions, but be a positive force in the world. Mm-hmm. This is part of the Active Pause podcast. To see more and subscribe to the newsletter, go to activepause.com.